Well, hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to the Todd Coconato Podcast, otherwise known as The Remnant. On this Friday, we have a lot of things to discuss. I'm so thankful that you're here. Welcome, Remnant Warriors. Welcome, Gideon's 300. We are the people that are willing to stand in this hour when many people are falling by the wayside, giving up, getting depressed, feeling like we're defeated. Not us, Remnant Warriors. We know that we're going to press ahead. This day we fight. We stand because we are overcomers and we're victorious. And by the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit that lives within us, we are meant to take back this nation, take back this territory for the for the, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. His name is Jesus the Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, where demons tremble and flee in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus. Is somebody attacking you today in the natural? We need to bind it. In the name of Jesus, and, and the Bible says what's bound on earth is bound in heaven. What's loose on earth is loose in heaven. We need to cancel the assignments of hell. We need to, to just tell the enemy, he has lost. He's under our feet. The Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail. And I believe that in Jesus' name. All right, let's go through some breaking news. So uh, apparently Arizona, a judge ruled on Friday that the Arizona State Senate can get access to 2.1% million ballots wow from arizona's most populous county and uh this is so that it can audit the results of the 2020 election they're going to scan these ballots uh this is according to ap but it's all over the news and i think that's a great development um it's something where at least they can dig a little bit deeper and see what happened out there in arizona and hopefully uh there's some progress made to fighting against the fraud that has taken place in our 2020 election uh, I know we get our hopes up every time we kind of hear something like this, but this is, uh, I think, Javon Pulitzer that's been working on this. And uh, also many of these, they have no folds, they weren't mailed, and there's all different types of situations that people have uh, reported on based upon these ballots that are now going to be, uh, get, you know, people are going to have access to these ballots. And, and that's a huge deal. I mean, I'm, it's supposed to be the rule. It's supposed to be the law that you can just look at these ballots for a certain amount of time after the election. But for whatever reason, they've had to get this judge involved because there's been so much pushback on that. Uh, so I, I think that's a victory. We'll have to see how that goes. Mike Lindell is saying that he's not backing down from speaking out against voter fraud. He's putting everything on the line, he says. God bless this man. To bring the truth to the American people, Mike Lindell has been just out there fighting so hard. Now Dominion is trying to sue this man, uh, but he's not going to give up. He's not going to give in. Uh, I believe, you know, he's believing that God is going to use him in this situation. I think so too. In fact, he's saying to Dominion, what are you hiding? Uh, I'll just read a little bit of this, but uh, Michael Dell says he's not backing down from speaking out against voter fraud and is putting everything on the line. To bring the truth to the American people in an interview Tuesday, Lindell asserted he has 100% evidence of malfeasance during the election by Dominion Voting Systems, who has accused the MyPillow CEO of defamation. He says, they sued my company, which had nothing to do with this, and there's 2,500-plus employees, he stated. It's shameful what Dominion has done to our country and to go to the private sector level and attack my company. However, Lindell said he will continue to fight despite being put in physical danger and having incurred massive financial losses. He called on Dominion to allow machine inspections, and he said as a business owner himself, he understands the need for transparency and would gladly open up his business for review if someone were to question the integrity of his product. So Dominion, I ask you, and I've asked you this, what are you hiding? 
Lindell says. He says, I know what you're hiding, he stated. They want to suppress me, cancel me out, get rid of Mike Lindell because that's what's going to take uh, for them uh, to silence me, to try to stop me. And uh, this is what's going to take down the election. And this is the hope that we have in this country. So uh, Lindell is is really going at it, folks. <laughs> He's, this man is uh, a true patriot. And he added Dominion's lawsuit in the roundabout way is actually serving the American people as it provides him with legal grounds to release previously unseen evidence. He went on to stress electoral integrity should not be a partisan issue. This problem runs so deep and this cancel culture, it's not just Dominion. It's not just Smartmatic, but look at the machine, he said. Uh, they're all part of an attack on our country. Lindell says he plans to continue his work exposing electoral fraud and warned if the current system is not reformed, the USA will, uh, as we know, will be gone. And I, I really do agree with him on that. Uh, I spoke yesterday a little bit on the podcast that um, Lynn Wood has also said this, and I've agreed with this, just like what happened with the Georgia runoff Senate election. You know, the two senators that were going to win and then all of a sudden it flipped just like it did in the election. Uh, and so we saw the exact same thing that happened on election night in the Georgia runoff. And like Lindell is saying and like Lynn Wood is saying and like I'm saying, we have to fix these machines and the mail-in fraud and all the different things that they're doing in order to swing and sway the boats. And anybody that's even brought this up has been canceled, has been shut down, has been called a conspiracy theorist. And all we're saying is, hey, let us just look into the machines. Let us audit the ballots. And uh, let's see if there's any there. There. What do you have to hide? Why are you fighting so bad? It's part of our law when it comes to elections that you're supposed to be able to go back and make sure that you had a free and fair election. And of course, we know Donald Trump was also making these same claims, which I believe are true. So let's continue to pray for this man, Mike Lindell, as he continues to fight for our nation. Another big story today, which I think we need to talk about, is U.S. Attorney John Dorham who was tapped by the former Attorney General William Barr to lead a special counsel probe to the origins of the Trump-Russia inquiry, announced his resignation from his position as U.S. Attorney of the District of Connecticut. Now, a lot of people are getting really nervous and concerned. They're texting me and they're saying, does that mean Durham is done? So I want to continue to read this. A spokesperson for the Department of Justice, the DOJ, did confirm that uh, to several news outlets, including rmntnews.com, that Durham is still special counsel, okay? Fox News reporter Chad Pegram, Pegram also reported that Durham will continue his work on uh, probing the origins of the FBI's Russia investigation and whether there was irregularities and wrongdoing, doing, which we all know there was. And so uh, a post on the DOJ's website states that Durham's office as special counsel was moved to the main Justice Department. Uh, my career has been fulfilling as I could ever imagine when I graduated from law school way back in 1975, Durham said in a news release from the Justice Department on Friday. Much of that fulfillment has come from all the people who I've been blessed to share this workplace and in our partner law enforcement agencies. My love and respect for this office uh, and the vitally important work done here has never diminished. It has always been a tremendous honor to serve as a U.S. attorney and as a career prosecutor before that, and I will sorely miss it. So that's his statement, and we'll have to follow this story and see how it develops. Hopefully, he will be able to continue his investigation. There'll actually be some fruit from it. Uh, I know a lot of people don't have a lot of hope in that, but I am still holding out that he will actually uphold justice and uh, expose what was done in that very fraudulent and corrupt probe that they wasted years of the Americans' taxpayer dollars, time, 
uh, the fake news media just had a barrage of uh, attacks that were discredited and talk about debunked. You know, the whole Russia hoax and the Russian collusion delusion. That was an absolute, uh, just absolute fake story. And uh, I really pray that there's justice there. As we continue to pray, we cannot lose hope and we cannot stop praying, saints. And I want to talk about uh, why Trump is already on his way back. Because delusional Democrats and frenzied leftists are authors and finishers of their own worst nightmare. The Equality Act passing the House just before Trump gives a national speech is a made-for-TV event. I'm going to be there live covering this, and I'm actually going to go live so that you can see President Trump's speech on Sunday. More about Sunday in a moment, but let's talk about the so-called Equality Act. The travesty poses a serious threat to all Americans, especially women and children. If it becomes law, the act will serve as a backdoor way to sanction abortions, introduce explicit content in schools curriculum, let boys win in girls sports. People that are saying, oh yeah, I'm a girl, but really they're a biological boy. It'll allow grown men in girls' restrooms, pressure children as young as 11 towards experimental cross-sex hormones with or without their parents' knowledge or consent. Can you imagine this? And silence all of us who disagree. Doctors can be prosecuted if they refuse to perform these types of treatments or gender reassignment surgeries. Uh, That part about silencing us is the most dangerous. The bill makes it criminal act to disagree with their view on gender, even on the grounds that it violates your religious views. The Equality Act. It's due, yeah, the Equality Act. How about the Not Equality Act, right? It's due to be voted on in the Senate soon before being sent to Biden for signing. This vile overreach of power and persecution of Christians is a perfect backdrop for Trump to reappear, to reemerge on the scene. And we are all anxious to see what he has to say. I've been alluding to some of the things I think he's going to talk about. Uh, One of them may be a possible new social media platform. Uh, another one will be kind of laying out the vision of what he is going to do as we move forward with the America First agenda and the MAGA movement. Uh, a lot of people are still speculating if he has something up his sleeve that the Democrats don't know about yet that could actually put him back in power. I know some people still believe that, and, and we're all praying that there's an expose and that God moves in a way that's truly a miracle, that he parts the Red Sea, and we're still believing that he can do this. I was just talking with a pastor today. I actually want to read my response in a minute because I think it's important that you know where I stand on this, and I, I want to make sure that I maintain integrity and I maintain uh, you know, um not not giving you hopium. We talk about that often recently, but I want to give you my most recent response on that. But let's go back to what I was talking about here. So it's it's persecution of Christians, and it is the perfect backdrop for Trump to reappear. So not only that, but if Trump announces he will run for re-election, he will instantly build a war chest way ahead of the others. Election fraud will be much harder to perpetuate because there will be no pandemic to excuse the mail-in and absentee shenanigans of the last election. And finally, Trump will become a distraction and firewall against Biden's extreme leftist agenda. Is it even Biden's or is it the deep state? I would say it's the deep state or the puppet masters behind Biden. And what I mean is, is that Biden will know that everything he does and says will be used as evidence against him. And at this time, Trump is supposed to be done. He's supposed to be finished. Nancy Pelosi said she would wipe him off the planet. And she and Chuck Schumer are doing everything they can to try to achieve this goal. But what does the Bible say? Touch not my anointed. He's not only very much still on the planet, he's on his way back 
to a very visible place in American life. Let's look at the further evidence, okay? Trump's approval ratings rose after the second witch hunt impeachment failure. America's hunger for Trump's leadership is getting stronger every day, not weaker. He's getting more popular. Rhino Liz Cheney, who I just bumped into today uh, from Wyoming. I don't know how she got into power there. She found out, you know, about Trump's enduring clout. And in a spectacular miscalculation, she voted to impeach Donald Trump. What was she thinking? Now she's fallen out of favor in her home state, and that was not supposed to happen. Republicans are supposed to be trying to outdo each other in condemning Trump. Well, that's not going to happen because Trump is the Republican Party. I've been trying to say that. And Republican candidates are lining up and begging Trump to campaign for them. So, you know, if he is the ballot box poison, if he is history, why would they want to be identified with Trump? Why would they want to give him not only, you know, the uh, ability, but he, they, they're like begging him to endorse them and, and campaign for them? So polls show that Americans are fed up with the Trump derangement syndrome. And, and by a clear majority, they believe that it's wrong to impeach a private citizen. This is not just a switch. It will continue to be a growing trend for Americans to be sick of the lies and the unfairness of Democrats, as well as the censorship and vitriol coming from the media. Facebook is now banning socialists. <laughs> and that is something the left never expected. They loved censorship until it hit them. Uh, one very vocal socialist was the Jimmy Dore show defending censorship of Christian conservatives. And the very next day, his page, which had a huge number of followers, was banned by Facebook. Now, hilariously, that is uh, he's the one that's screaming the censorship. So that means the battle lines are being redrawn and strange alliances against big tech are forming. The popularity of Gavin Newsom has dropped dramatically in the polls and Republicans are announcing their plans to challenge him and run against him for governor of California. 1.8 million Californians have already signed a petition for the recall of Governor Newsom. How is that supposed to be happening if Christian conservatism has been banished? A growing national return to Christ and family values is being ignored, but it is real nonetheless. Pockets of revival, as I said yesterday, are popping up all over America. I talked to so many pastors and churches and ministries that are feeling the fire of the Holy Spirit coming down here in America, and they are very, very much believing that God is about to pour out in a very powerful revival movement where it will be a great awakening here in the United States of America. I still proclaim this because I have a vision of the same thing of just seeing people literally dancing in the streets at what God has done in America. I believe, and I said in the Epic Times interview today, that I don't think America is meant to be Sodom and Gomorrah. I think America is meant to be uh, Nineveh, which means that we are meant to repent and we will repent and return back to our first love, Jesus Christ. Now, I know that's a big statement and some people don't believe it. I am believing this in faith in the name of Jesus, this national return to Jesus Christ. And uh, I believe that Bible-based converts will be the surprise weapon in the next wave of American life, that God is about to do a new thing, a fresh thing. That's what revival is. It's, it's something new. It's a new thing that God is going to do. And uh, it's new life. So the final and most important development is what the church has discovered about politics. For almost all of Donald Trump's term in office, the church believed the left and the media hated Christians because we supported Donald Trump. Now that he is supposedly out of office, supposedly, I like that, the left has stepped up its persecution of Christianity. For example, the Equality Act. 
We now know they hated him because of us and not the other way around. In fact, one Illinois Democrat has submitted a bill to erase Christianity from American public life altogether. The extremes that the Democrats are going to uh, are waking up the Christians to the fact that Trump was a firewall for the church. To me, that awakening means that you can expect even deeper and wider support for Trump among believers. What does this all mean? It means Trump could easily start his own television network, his own social media platform, and even his own political party if he wanted to. I think he's going to try to stick with the Republicans, but you know he could pretty much do whatever he wants. And and it also bodes something most ominous for Democrats that Donald Trump, you know, more than anyone else, has the power to uncover the whole voter election fraud scandal, the deep state cover up, big tech, and the fake. News. Most of all, it means that we need to pray for the Senate to reject the so-called Equality Act, and we need to pray for President Trump's speech on Sunday night. Let's read these promises as we do this. Deuteronomy 24 says, For the Lord your God is he who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. Deuteronomy 3.22 says, You shall not fear them, for it is the Lord your God who fights for you. Psalms 44, 5 says, through you, we will crush our enemies. Through your name, we will tread down those who rise up against us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And thank you to the contributors for RMNT News that are helping me write these reports while I am gone at CPAC. All right, guys, one last thing I want to talk about today for the remainder of this program. And the question is, what does it mean to be doers of the word? God has really put this on my heart as the mission statement. We need to be doers, not just hearers, but doers. And it comes from James 1.22. So in the book of James, a very practical book, by the way, we have a very practical command. It says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Uh, So we got to be doers of the word. James urges people who listen to God's word to demonstrate a sincere commitment to the Lord by reacting to what they hear with obedient action. The original language, which I mean by the you know the Greek and the Hebrew, the sense that we must keep on becoming doers of God's word. So we always have to be fighting. Like the Bible says, we fight the good fight of faith. And genuine faith calls for obedience that endures. So doers of the word are the opposite of Sunday morning Christians. In other words, we're not just Christians on Sundays who go to church, sit and listen to a message and then view it as merely an interesting spiritual discourse or they're looking for somebody to encourage them. No, I mean, encouragement is nice, but we're not motivational speakers. We're meant to not only be hearers, but doers. Jesus said that only doers of the word are truly blessed. And here's the quote from Luke 11:28. It says, but even more blessed are those who hear the word of God and put it into practice. James stresses the need to act on what we hear. He says that we're fooling ourselves if we think that we can be hearers only and not doers of the word as well. People who sincerely love God and those who keep his commands, according to John 14, 15 and 1 John 5, 2 through 3. So God desires those who hear his word to become authentic followers of Christ, disciples who obey the Lord's teaching because they know and love their heavenly father. He wants a personal relationship with us saints. He wants us to be doers out there active. That's why we're getting people activated in our communities. That's why we're we're preaching the full gospel because it's the truth that sets the captive free. That's why we're believing for revival in our nations. When I talked to Josh from Epoch Times today, you know, that's what we were talking about is we need to be out in the community, getting people out there. This isn't, we can't just stay within the four walls anymore. We need to be getting people saved and set free and healed and delivered all throughout our land so that it changes the culture. 
Jesus gave a stern warning to people who hear the words of God, but don't act on them. He said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my father in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name, drive out demons in your name and do many miracles in your name? And then I will announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. So therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock. The rain fell and the rivers rose and the winds blew and pounded that house, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the solid rock. But, but everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Then the rain fell and the rivers rose and the winds blew and pounded that house and it collapsed. It collapsed with a great crash. That's Matthew 7, 21 through 27. James underscores his command to be doers of the word with two illustrations, one negative and one positive. In both cases, he uses the idea of a mirror. Here's what he says. He says, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror, for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. In the first example, James compares uh, an apathetic listener of the word to someone who looks carefully at himself, but then walks away and forgets. He disregards what he saw, letting it drop from his mind. This isn't just lazy listening. It's listening without any real faith. The word may enter the person's ear, but the power of it does not penetrate to the heart. In James' second example, he describes a listener who hears and absorbs God's word taking it into his heart and letting it change his life. But the one who looks into the perfect law, he says, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. That's James 1.25. The active listener is the one who hears with genuine faith. This listener is alert and eager to learn from God's message. He or she wants to receive from God and do what he says. Jesus affirmed that God's word is the perfect law that produces liberty. If you abide in the word, you are truly my disciples. And if you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. How many times did I talk about that, right? That's John 8, 31 through 32. Obedience to the word of God brings freedom from sin and death. Romans 5, 19. The word of God is not just a beautiful piece of literature, friends. It, you know, something to be savored and enjoyed. Its purpose goes beyond provoking thought and living you know, we have to be doers. We have to be out there. We have to be showing people with the fruit of our life. In fact, the Bible even says you know them by their fruit. It requires more than memorization and sharing with others. It demands a change of our heart that prompts change of behavior. The word of God is to be obeyed. Are we going to be true doers of the word? So then this begs the question, what is Christian leadership? How can we be a doer? You know, what should a Christian leader be like? There's a lot of questions about Christian leaders. There's no finer example for Christian leaderships than our Lord Jesus Christ. He declared, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. That means we're willing to sacrifice. We're willing to put ourselves out there. We're willing to, you know, we're willing to, to, to pay the high cost, right? That's what I always talk about. You know, I'm out there. I'm doing what I can in the ministry. I'm, I'm willing to pay the cost, friends. And there is a cost, as you know, as I know. But we're doing this because we're, we're laying down our life for Christ and for the Christian community and for the greater good as Christians, as believers, as leaders. 
it's within that verse that we see perfect description, uh, which is he who acts as a shepherd to the sheep in his care. We want to be like Christ. Christ is the good shepherd and he's bold. Look what he did when he went into the temple and overturned the tables. You know, people are always saying like Jesus was a social justice warrior. He would be a liberal today. That's a bunch of nonsense. Okay. First of all, a liberal today is, is literally the most extreme of extreme uh, when it comes to demonic stuff. I mean, we've never probably seen the Democrat Party go so far left as they are right now. And absolutely Jesus, who's uh, set apart, very holy, very consecrated, you know, the God of heaven and earth, would definitely not go along with these demonic policies like killing babies and the Equality Act and all these ridiculous things that the Democrats of today are trying to roll out. So that's not leadership. That's reprobate. And you know that. And so I, I find it hard to follow quote unquote Christian leaders that pushed hard for Biden. Well, look, we'll look at the demonic agenda that we're fighting against right now. It's nonsense. So if you know somebody that is a quote unquote leader in your life that didn't understand the battle that we're in, I would really second guess their discernment. I don't think that they have good discernment. I don't think that they have good wisdom. We have to find leaders that we can align with, saints, that we can trust, that we can say, okay, you know what? You are a remnant warrior. You are somebody who I can get behind. You are somebody who I can trust and follow because we can't just be following anybody. We have to really test the spirits. We have to really see who these people are that we're following. One of the things that I noticed here at CPAC, and this is something that really I just noticed with anybody that's been a true leader, is that leaders are willing to endure. Leaders are willing to stand strong. Maybe when it's not easy. In fact, when it is not easy. Okay, leaders are, are meant to be uh, leading, which means that people are going to have to follow them. But in order to somehow, somehow chart that course sometimes, you got to go into uncharted territory. You have to go into uh, a territory that sometimes is really dangerous and it appears dangerous, but you know that God is your rod and your staff and he goes before you. He's with you, you know, and he, he is the, uh, the keeper, the, the author, the finisher of your story. And so we don't have to be fearful because fear is not of God. In fact, the Bible says, what place does fear have with love? Perfect love cast out fear. So we have to be fearless, bold, unafraid, know that God is with us, be willing to go in uncharted territory sometimes, be willing to be forerunners at times, be willing to be able to sow the seed so that we can reap what we sow, sowing good seed. And in this battle that we're in right now, we have to understand spiritual warfare. We have to understand that uh, we're fighting not against flesh and blood, but against strongholds and principalities. Even though I talk a lot about politics, you know, mainly what I'm talking about is a spiritual battle in the macro, you know, we're, we're just fighting a massive spiritual battle and people are getting weary and they're pulling the parachute cord and they're saying we're done. And that is the last thing we need to be completely overcomers and just not even uh, talking anything out of our mouth that would be speaking death. We have to be speaking life. We know that Jesus Christ is life. He's come to give us life. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but God came to give us life and life more abundantly. Does that mean that we've all of a sudden lost that inheritance? No, we haven't lost any of that inheritance. Just because somebody new is in the White House, that, that doesn't mean we've lost the inheritance. We can still uh, command things in, in the supernatural. We can still declare and speak life over a situation that looks like a Lazarus situation. It looks like it's dead. We can still be the church and boldly proclaim truth and righteousness and stand for righteousness in this very dark hour. So 
the last thing that we need to be doing is pulling up a, you know, pulling the zip cord or, or waving the white flag. That is, that's not where we are right now. This is a, a clarion call. This is a time for Gideon's 300 to be standing and rising. And on this Friday, as I get ready for this weekend, it's going to be a big weekend down here at CPAC. You know, I'm not going to be doing the podcast because the podcast is only Monday through Friday, but I will do some live videos. But I'm going to tell you guys, I am fired up. I am fired up because I realize this is our time to fight. This is our time to stand. If we back down now, forget it. We will lose our country. But if we stand now and push back and take this territory back for the, for the name of Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God and, and the principles that this nation was founded on and get on fire again, yes, we will see revival. Yes, we will see people saved and set free and healed and delivered. Yes, we will see uh, God really just, let's speak to the dry bones. And, and declare in the name of Jesus revival in this country. Why can't we say that? Why can't we do that? We are the church. We are meant to be bold and unafraid. We know the God that we serve. He's never left the throne. So he's raised us up for a time as this. I am fired up, saints. Listen, everything that I've seen this week, everything I've heard this week, everything I've reported on today, I am fired up. It is the last thing that we're going to do right now is to surrender. The last thing that we're going to do is to give up. The last thing that we're going to do is to let discouragement take root. By golly, come on. <laughs> come on, right? I mean, how many of you guys have been through tough times in your life? I've been through some tough times, and I'll tell you the last thing I ever did in that time was surrender. I got back up, and I brushed my shoulders off, and I you know, licked my wounds, and I said, okay, time to move forward, and that's what we did, and that's why we're here to fight another day because there's you know, mountaintops and there's valleys, but we're going to get up, and we're going to beat this thing because the devil is under our feet, and we know who we are, and look, the news will tell us that everything's done. The news will tell us that there's no hope. The news will tell us all these things, but what does God say? Whose report shall we believe? What does the Bible say? What does the Bible say is the plan for our life? Hope in the future. The promise is yes and amen. God says that he gives us the authority to trample on scorpions. You know, come on, crush them. Tr crush those scorpions. Trample on them. You know, stand on that snake's head. You know, he's under our feet in Jesus' name. And I know some of you have, are great overcomers, and you know what that is to overcome. That's who we are. So as I get ready to close today, I just want to pray for all of you out there for your weekend that you would stand up, rise up, be on fire for God, get into the word of God, be encouraged, worship, don't ever give up. This is our time to shine. We're going we're gonna to win this thing in the name of Jesus. Thank you, God, for this day. We just ask that every single person listening would be encouraged and blessed and that they would be strengthened in their faith and, and ready to face the, the day tomorrow and the weekend and that we would just continue to press ahead in this season knowing that you are with us. And if you are with us, who then can be against us? No one, Lord God. No, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall persecution, shall famine, shall nakedness, shall peril or sword? Nothing from the love of our Lord, Lord God. We love you and, and we thank you for who you are in our life and we thank you for all the things that you're gonna do in the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Todd Coconado podcast. You can go to toddcoconado.com or toddcoconado.com slash give and help us in the ministry as we're fighting this good fight. And we will be back very soon on Monday, but I'll be uh, going live over the weekend as well. Hope to see you guys there. God bless.